Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. I'm just going to be honest. It's, it, it is the best time to preach the gospel message. Like he said before, I am an evangelist. I make no apologies for it. This is what God's called me to do, and I believe God's called many of you in this room to do the same thing. But I want to, I, I, I want to share just one thing. I, I, when we were praying for the coronavirus just a minute ago, um, the Lord reminded me of something for those of us that know the simple gospel message. The day that He was on the tree, the day. Do you guys remember when the snakes were running loose in all of Israel? And they asked, they went running to Moses and they said, Moses, 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 what do we need to do? And he goes into the into the tent of meeting and he talks to the father and the father tells him to make this little snake looking thing and to lift it up in the, in, in the wilderness where they were. Well, if you go to Israel, you'll find out that anything that's been lifted up on a stake is cursed by God, completely cursed by God. So. As the Moses lifted the serpent up in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. So that day, He made Him who knew no sin literally become sin so we could become the righteousness of God. So sin was forever cursed that day on the cross. Here's something else, guys. It says that Jesus took on all our infirmities. What does that mean? I believe with all of my heart, we like to see the picture of pretty Jesus on the cross. Okay, nine times out of ten, that's what you see hanging up in people's houses and at churches. But it was he was marred more than any man. He was unrecognizable as a man. And I believe with all of my heart that that, that day that he had cysts growing on him, that he had cancers growing on him, that he took on all our infirmities. What does that mean? Corona was crucified that day on the cross along with sin and every other infirmity. And those of us that walk in his righteousness have the authority to tread upon serpents and crush them under our feet. Amen. Can we just agree with that this morning? I, I, I believe with all of my heart that now is not a retreat. Just like everybody else uh, has been talking about praying and, and talking this morning, I believe now is the time where Paul looks at Timothy and says, I charge you. I charge you to preach the gospel. People are open to it. Yesterday, yesterday we, 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 have a, we have a ministry school that we do, and yesterday we, had, we were leaving and going out on outreach. And let me tell you guys, people are super open right now. Even the people that would look at you, the atheists, the agnostics, the, the, the Muslims, every one of them right now, they have a fear because they have no hope. They have a fear that's inside of them. So what are we? We're peddlers of hope. So we go out and we deliver this message and we talk to them and we pray for them and we're just real with them. And guess what happens? We didn't have one person that slammed a door in our face. We didn't have one person that got upset or got mad. If they didn't want prayer, they simply said, no thanks. And we just looked at them and said, well, God bless you and protect you in Jesus' name. Now is the time. When He called us to be salt and light in Matthew 5, it wasn't, it wasn't depending upon our situation and circumstances. He didn't say you could be salt and light as long as everything's going okay, as long as there's no viruses breaking out, as long as there's, there's nothing that is, uh, that is hurting anyone. You are salt and light regardless. You guys hear me? Hey, this morning, I, 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 I want to see a revival of being a son. Just walking out the door and being a son to everyone you come into contact with. 
to when you're at the grocery store and you grab the last pack of toilet paper and you see a family of five next to you looking for it, give it to them. God will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. All we need is Him. we got to let self get out of the way. Christians are not called the self. We're selfless like our elder brother. Amen? Turn with me this morning to Numbers chapter 16. I'm a little passionate. Is that all right? I love it. Jesus, Jesus did so much for me. Many of you know my story. Um, I, was, I, uh, I had kind of a checkered past with uh, drug addiction and dealing drugs and, and everything else. And then I had cancer and the Lord healed me of cancer. So I, I, I received a vision one time of a, of, a, of a branding iron hit me in my chest. Acts 4.20. Say it with me. Acts 4.20. We cannot help but speak of the things which we have seen and we have heard. The simplicity of that verse has revolutionized our, my life. Amen? All right, number 16. We're going to dive right in. By the way, guys, I would, there's going to be a sign up, a sign up uh, outside after we're done for, for the outreach. We're going to be doing an outreach once a month, once a month here. And then we're going to get a, a culture of excellence on that thing. What does that mean? A whole bunch of people showing up and on fire to run out and tell their story. What is evangelism in a nutshell? A bunch of wonderful sons telling everybody how good their papa is. It's just that simple. Well, you don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I've had people come up to me all the time and people have said, Russell, we want to be bold like you. Pray boldness over us. Pray boldness. I look at them and I say, I'm not bold. I'm in love. And when you're in love with the one you're talking about, evangelism is really easy. Amen? Amen. Numbers chapter 16. So sign up outside. That's the real altar call today. Amen? Chapter 16, verse 46 is where we're going to start. Now, many of you know the story here. The children of Israel are just super funny to read about. I mean, they are so funny. I mean, one of my favorite, I'm going on a rabbit trail here, but one of my, one of my favorite stories is, is, is when they're crossing the Red Sea. So they're crossing the Red Sea, and God is literally throwing fire from heaven at Pharaoh's army while the sea split. You know, Moses, he comes up and he's like, I don't. I love him. He had no idea what he was doing. He goes up and he goes, okay, now what? And he stretches out his hand. He hears to stretch out his hand and the Red Sea splits open. So they're, they're going across the Red Sea. And then all of a sudden, all of Pharaoh's army starts coming after him. So God starts throwing fireballs. And he's trying to delay him so that everybody could get across. And as soon as they get across, everybody's going, Hallelujah, thank you, God. You're amazing, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. We're getting hungry. So immediately it was like, thank you. And then they could hear their stomach growling. So then what does God do? God provides manna, right? I'm fast forwarding through a lot of it, but you guys know the story I'm going on. And he tells him to take a little bit of manna a day and put it in an omer. Do not get more than your daily amount or what would happen? It would rot. It would turn to all kinds of yucky stuff, right? He was that day, Jesus was showing him the picture that I am the daily bread. First he was the deliverer, then he is the daily bread, and then we know the story of the snakes. So here they're still grumbling. So we know that the earth has opened up in this story and swallowed a whole bunch of people because of their grumbling before the Lord. But I want to, I want to read something. I want you to, to, to visualize what we're going through today 
with the context of this scripture. And then we're going to go over to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and we're going to compare both of them. Amen? Oh, by the way, I'm crowd participation preacher. The more you amen, the faster this thing goes. Amen? Hallelujah. Look at that. Amen. <laughs> I would have started off that way if I knew that's all I had to say. And Moses said to Aaron, take your censer and put fire on it from the altar and lay incense on it and carry it quickly into the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague had begun. So Aaron took it, as Moses said, and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. I want you to pay close attention to where at the very beginning he says, take your censer. There's a sense of ownership here. I looked in several different uh, texts and several different versions, and it is predominantly the word your that is used there. I think that one of the things he was trying to say is you have to have a stake in this. You have to put yourself in the storyline. You have to be willing to do it. What we did this morning when we prayed for our entire country, I believe was us taking our censer and stepping into the fire, stepping at the altar of the Lord. I believe with all of my heart, God's calling a generation. Listen, I believe in the fivefold, but I think it's going way past that. I think He's calling sons. He's calling believers to step into the fire, to step into the mix and stand between the living and the dead, between the plague and freedom. And I'm not, I'm not preaching this message just because it's a corona thing because the biggest plague that mankind has ever seen's name is not corona. The biggest plague that a mankind has ever seen is called sin. And listen, it was paid for a long time ago. And we have to stand between the living and the dead because this disease will kill everyone and separate them from the love of the Father. And that is not His will whatsoever at all. Is it okay to preach this morning? Can we talk about Jesus? Can we talk about Him paying the price for sin and mankind? Can we do that? I'm not talking about... Listen, guys. I may Again, I'm a little, a little bit excited today. That's okay. I, you know what? As a matter of fact, let Scripture do the talking. Turn with me real quick to 2 Chronicles. Chapter 7. That long silence. I want you to read something. We always read 2 Chronicles 7.14. It's pretty... Everybody in this room can probably quote that verse. If my people... But we never really read the two verses before. So let's read the, the few verses before. The Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, command locusts to devour the land or send pestilence to my people. What we have here 
A, a, great, a, a great friend of mine, a great prophet, posted something not long ago on social media. What we have going on right now in our nation is we have, we, we have, we have the, seriously all of the, the signs and symptoms and ingredients for an outpouring. We have all the signs and symptoms and ingredients for transformation, for revival that would begin to take place. What, like what, for example? What, what do we have? Well, they're closing down some of the big, huge, major churches right now. They're not, well, they're not closing them, but a lot of them are videoing. So what are they doing? They're putting people next to each other, home to home, Acts 5.42, Acts 20.20. The disciples said, we didn't just minister in the churches, but we ministered house to house and in the streets themselves. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Walmart church. Hey, right now, there's some people in Walmart need Jesus. I'm not, I'm not even playing. My wife and me went last night and we're walking through the aisles and I couldn't help but chuckle because of all the extremity. But you know what? We, we stopped and prayed for two or three people and got to share our testimony with at least one person because they're at a point to where they are literally breaking down and shaking in fear. Well, we alone know that perfect love cast out all fear. And what is perfect love? The love of our Father. So what is the antidote to fear? Sonship. That's the antidote to fear. That's why we're not supposed to be shaking. We're not supposed to be trembling. We've re been reading the book for a long time. This, we knew this was going to play out. We knew this was the stuff. And we had to be ready for the stuff. Amen? So we see here in 2 Chronicles, we see how he's talking about pestilence. He's talking about plagues. He's talking about... Listen, last year it was N1H1 or whatever. The year before that it was Ebola. The year before that it was the bird flu. Then it was the, the pig flu or whatever. We've had something come up all the time. Yet the church of the living God still stands strong today. Because there is no force in heaven or earth or under the earth that can compare to the name of Jesus Christ. Can I just say that? Can we say that this morning? I, 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 think, I think what needs to happen is, right now, we need to lay aside all inhibitions. We need to get crazy again for the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying free worship. I'm saying, I'm saying free in the streets. Free when we speak anymore. We need to walk and talk the way we're supposed to walk and talk. We need to walk out this thing. We need to be what He paid for. <laughs> we need to be what He paid for. What did He pay for us with? The cross. Heaven gave up everything so that each and every one of us can be in the kingdom. You know what? That same emphasis goes towards every person at Walmart, every person at Aldi's, every person at Kroger, every person that you contact with that is living in fear right now. He paid for them. The cross doesn't just, the cross doesn't point out their sin. The cross shows them their value and their worth. And the cross shows them it's a measuring stick of His love for them. Can we, listen guys, I may be, I may be preaching better than your amen in this morning, okay? But I'm telling you, we've got to get free again. What does that mean? If you feel like dancing, dance. Who cares? This time, at this moment, in the house of God, the answer to fear is freedom. The answer to fear is sonship. What does a good son do? Rejoices in the name of his Father. Come on, man. Hallelujah. Man, we look, at, we look all throughout Scripture. 
All throughout Scripture, we see that Jesus was moved in compassion, in compassion whenever, whenever we, we would go to Him about situations like this. Standing in between the living and the dead. What does that even look like? What does that even look like? It could be in the prayer room. An intercessor stands daily between the living and the dead. An intercessor stands there and takes the heart of the Father and speaks it back to Him. We know that there's three separate Mainly three different types of prayer. One is intercession, one is listening, and one is declaring. And an intercessor, that's what they do. They stand. They stand there with that fire from the altar, with the censer right there in front of them, and they say, okay, God, okay, God, let's pray right now for President Trump. Let's pray right now for our government. Let's pray for my lost friends and family members. Right now, God, they stand between the living and the dead. An evangelist, every time he goes out on the streets, people have a choice in the salvation process. Do they choose life? Or do they choose death? And that evangelist is standing in between. But each and every one of us are, not, are called to do. Here's the different thing about the fivefold. Guys, I'm constrained, man. I'm, I'm like, whoo, can you see me? Each, every one of the fivefold messages, there's only one, which is the evangelist that says we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. Amen? Does it say in Scripture we're all called to do the work of a prophet? We're all called to do that. We all, pro we all can prophesy, but we're not all called to be apostles, and that is okay. We're not all called to be pastors, and that is okay. But every one of us, every one of us are called to do the work of an evangelist. That's in our, that's in our everyday life. That's lifestyle evangelism. That's talking to people daily, giving them your testimony, talking about the goodness of the Lord. The prophetess Anna that's mentioned in Luke chapter 2. It says not only was she in the temple day and night, but she declared the goodness of the Lord everywhere that she went. Amen? We see in, in John 11. What happens, what happens when we get in this place, when we're in between living and the dead, is we begin to take on God's heart. Because you have to have God's heart in this situation. You have to be an instrument of love in these kind of situations. And we see one of the most famous models of this actually being done when Jesus finds out that Lazarus has died. Jesus finds out that Lazarus has died and he walks up into the situation and there comes Martha running out and Martha's like, Jesus, Jesus, if you had only been there. And he talked with Martha for just a minute and then and she ran back and got Mary and Mary come running out. And Mary, Mary's response was a little different than Martha's because she threw herself on the ground and began to weep along with her whole entourage that came with her. And they began to weep over what was taking place. And because of their tears, Scripture says Jesus was moved. He was moved with compassion. There's nothing wrong with tears. There's nothing wrong. There's no weakness when we lay down at night to weep and cry for our lost family members, our friends, our loved ones, people affected by this virus, people affected by every other kind of virus that's out there. Cancer's still killing people. To pray that God would show up and begin to heal even in those situations. Oh, that God would release the ministry of tears all over again. Well, we would weep between the porch and the altar. I remember as a young man, I remember going, going to, and it wasn't even a spirit-filled church, guys, uh, that I was raised in. And I remember coming in and there being 40 or 50 people laying prostrate on the ground. Men. And they were, they were laying there and they were, they were in the midst of puddles of tears and snot and everything else. It didn't matter. And they may have been praying 
for something as simple as their checker at Walmart. We have to get self out of the way. When Jesus entered into Jerusalem in Luke 19, it says He wept over the situation of the city. Oh, to God that we would begin to weep for the situation in our nation, our city. We have to start in our own backyard. So the situation in our, in our, on our street, the situation in our city, this, the, the, our region, our country, the world. Oh, that the tears would begin to flow. And I, I know the last time I was here, I told you guys this. There's three things scientifically are, is proven that it happens when you cry. The first thing is when you cry, toxins are removed out of your body. The second thing is healing begins to take place to cells that are damaged. And the third and final thing is it's been proven scientifically that in some cases, even dead cells become alive again by weeping, by crying. Jesus wept in John 11 with Lazarus. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. And then even, even, in, even in Matthew 9, or yeah, Matthew 9. Turn with me real quick to Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited. Let me ask you something, child of God. Do people seem distressed and dispirited out there right now? Are we supposed to be or are we not supposed to be little, little, little Christ-like ones? Walking in the same thing like our elder brother did. And he was doing what? This is the Son of God who took on all five of the fivefold. And this man was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he was healing the sick from all of their diseases. Man, I can't wait for the headlines to read, Christians announce, bring us the ones with the coronavirus. Bring them here. And we start seeing banners up outside again. And instead of, now don't get me wrong, it's okay, I believe it's all right to wash your hands and a hand sanitizer and all of that. But instead of gallon jugs of hand sanitizer, there'll be gallon jugs of anointing oil as they're beginning to pray for them. And I'm hoping and praying that the first case of the, of the coronavirus that has been eliminated will come out of the church. And it won't just be the church. The church members will actually go out and go home to home. And they'll be in the streets. I invite you. I'm telling you right now, guys, this church is going to see the glory of God once a month on these outreaches. You're going to, we're going to, we are literally going to see the lost saved. The, law, the greatest miracle of all time is, the, is a man's soul becoming born again. A woman's soul becoming born again. And we're going to see that. And then we're going to see cancer destroyed. And we're going to see diabetes destroyed. And the coronavirus destroyed. And every other type of sickness. I believe we're going to see people get up out of wheelchairs. And then I'm going to tell you this. I had something very interesting happen to me. And um, I'm going to share that with you. I was in L.A. And uh, which... A little crazy right now in LA. I just got a I just got a message from like four pastors that I'm supposed to be going and doing a two week thing in LA, and they had said that they are now they're they have a mandatory curfew 
and they can't gather in groups of 50 or, or more. It's all right, though, man. These pastors are doing it. They're, 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 they're already splitting it and, and saying, okay, you go to her house, you go to his house, you go over here, you go over there. We're going to worship God and take more ground while we do it. That's exactly what I told one of them on the phone last night. I said, listen, what you ought to do is do an outreach. Be the church outside the four walls. Come together and pray and worship, hear the word, and then hit the streets. Right now, the, right now, the world needs it more than ever. But I was in L.A., and I received a phone call from my wife. And my wife, uh, this, is, this is just a, a clear story of standing between the living and the dead. My, um, my wife calls me up, and she's crying and weeping and and uh, Sam was with me when we were, we were in L.A. We just finished a wonderful week of meetings. We said all kinds of things happen. God really showed up and saved souls. And yeah, it was amazing. But she was so distressed and she was crying and she was weeping. And I was like, oh, my goodness, something's wrong with the family. Wouldn't most of us do that? We're out of town. Wife calls, husband calls, weeping, crying. We're thinking, uh-oh, what happened at home? It wasn't my wife. It wasn't my kids. She, was, she started saying her best friend's name. Her name was Wendy. And she was, she was saying, she's, she's dead. She's dead, Russell. She's dead. She's in a helicopter right now. They're, they're on their way to taking her to, uh, to Parkland. They're, they're saying that she got uh, what's it called? meningitis or toxic shock something. And those of you in the medical field probably know more about it than I do. But, so the, all of her organs were now unresponsive. I mean, they, were, they, weren't, they were just shut down. Uh, she was. She had very little brain activity. Uh, activity. They just basically had her on the machine to keep her alive, right? So I said, "All right, pick me up at Love Field." I was landing at Love Field that day. She picked me up, and and, and we went up there. And by the time we walked in the door, um, her family was kind of out there, and they were they were in panic mode, you know. Now her friend was it wasn't a believer. So this was what really had my wife going. Or she claimed to be a believer but didn't have the fruit. How many of us know people like that? We walk in and her son come up to me and her son said, what kind of God is going to take my mama from me right before, right before I, I, uh, I take this college scholarship? Nobody else knew that he had just gotten this college scholarship at this major university. And the doctor come about that time and he said, all right, guys, it's time to say goodbye. So before then, her husband said, hey, can they go in and pray? And the doctor said, yeah, that's fine. So we walked in the door, and it was so fun. It was, I was searching, man. In a time like that, you, you try to search for something to say, right? You're searching your heart. And sometimes the best thing, the best way you can show Jesus in a situation like that is not say nothing at all. And I remember we walked through the door, and as soon as we got through the door, my wife just bent over and went into travail. And she was weeping, and she was crying, and she had made her way up by her bedside. And again, now I'm standing over there, and I see my wife in a pit of despair, and I see her just, 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 just crying and crying and crying. And I wanted to say something encouraging to her and love on her, but at the same time speaking to the situation. And I, I went to open my mouth, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, just stop and weep with your wife. So I put my hand on her shoulder, and she was weeping and weeping and weeping. And all of a sudden, she looks up at her, and she goes, in the name of Jesus Christ, every organ come back to life. And then she said something I never heard before. She said, and every cell bow your knee to the name of Jesus. And then she stood up, and we went back outside. 
A few minutes later, the doctor come running out and he said, sir, you're going to want to see this. And he grabs the husband. And of course, I was tagging along to see what was going on. And her blood pressure that was like 80 over 60 is now 130 over 85. Her dysrhythmia that she had now is a normal sinus rhythm. Her O2 stat that was, that was, that was hovering around, around 75, 80 is now at 95. Now, when she came in, they put a central line in and began dialysis because the kidneys weren't working. Her, her lungs that were, you know, your lungs are supposed to raise nice and equal. They were raising like this. Now they're raising nice and even. So we, we left, and I was sitting there thinking to myself, I went, this is, I think we just seen a dead raising. And I, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything to my wife. I didn't say anything. I'm just sitting over there, and I'm like, and the next day we get up and go up there. The central line is out. Her kidneys came back to life. They're functioning now. Her liver, her liver, all of the, all of the, the, the I, like, what is it? The count, the liver count is now perfectly normal. And I'm sitting there again the second day. I'm like, okay, I, I think, I, I'm not sure. I think, I don't know if you call this a healing because she was, she was dead. And then, and, and, and then I get on a plane a couple days later and we had, we were doing a crusade at an Indian reservation up in Northern Minnesota. And my wife calls me and says, somebody wants to say hello. Puts her on the phone. Of course, she's been intubated, so it's kind of sore, but she says, hey, Bubba. There's nothing special about me. I am his favorite, though. No, you're not. I am. Here we go. But that same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in my wife. And when my wife spoke, miracles happened. Everybody in this room, when you are standing in that place with fire from the altar, with identity and knowing who you are, when you open your mouth, all of heaven moves. Miracles happen. Just by your weak and simple obedience of saying, yes, yes. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to be flat honest with you. It's just my perspective. Just as I... uh. I think we give the darkness way too much attention. So my answer for the corona is just lifting up the preeminence of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I'm going to talk to two people real quick. This morning, if you're in this room, and I don't even know what protocol is right now, I'm just going for it. I got the mic. I'm going to talk to two people. I'm going to talk, I want to talk to the Christians. I want to talk to, I mean, I know we prayed for it and we cast it out and we did all the other stuff, but I want to talk, can you just be real and transparent and say, we prayed for it, but I'm going to be honest with you, in the back of my mind, I'm still really worried about this whole thing. If that's you in this room, raise your hand. And, and, and there's no stones if you do. And everybody, okay, do I need to do the hip, bow your head, close your eyes thing? <laughs> Do I need to do that? Well, that's good. That's really good. But how many of you know people that are affected by it? 
you know people that, that are walking in fear. So for, for just a second, okay, this is what I want us to do if possible. I want you to raise your hands and I want you to open your mouth. Don't just stand there and agree with someone in silence. When I married my wife, and when we walked down the aisle, when they asked me to say my vows, if I would have looked over and went, it may not have, it wouldn't have meant the same thing. I want you, I want, you remember he said, take your sensor. I want you to take your sensor this morning, right now. And I want you to take fire from the altar. And I want you to begin to pray, intercede, and decree over your friends, your family, your co-workers, or those that you know that, are, that, 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 have, that have some sort of fear about the coronavirus. Because earlier we were decreeing and we were praying, but I was looking. Not everybody was praying. There's no stones in that, but I just want to say there's something about your sensor. There's something about it coming from you. That will do it. When you open your mouth, heaven moves. Hebrews 1 says angels begin to move all over the place. The Holy Spirit moves all over the place. He says, I'm gonna, I, I wouldn't send you into a town that I myself am not about to go to. I'm not going to send you into a situation, think about it this way, that I myself am not about to go to. So can we, can we close our eyes for just a second? We don't need music. We don't need anything. Can we just look up to heaven? You don't even got to close your eyes. I don't care. Jesus just looked up in John 17. Right now, can you, out of your mouth, can you just begin to call them out by name? Can you begin to pray for them right now? If you pray in the understanding, great. If you pray in the Holy Spirit, great. But right now, unite together. Open your mouth. Bring your sensor of fire. Stand between the living and the dead right now. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Come on, press in. And remember, you're not praying out of performance. You're praying out of longing to see God move. Now pray for even the, a bigger plague. Keep praying, but now pray with everything you have. For them to come to Jesus. Pray for their salvation. Pray that the sin plague will come from their heart. And they will encounter Jesus in a way they've never encountered Him before. I'm talking about dreams. I'm talking about voices in the night from heaven. There we go. Don't be afraid to weep. Don't be afraid to get on your face. Don't be afraid. Right now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time. Jesus. 
Jesus. Jesus. Keep going. It's, it, it's just about the time where you feel yourself like you can't pray anymore that the Holy Spirit takes over. That's it. Now's the time to step out of the box. Listen, if you're in this room and you need healing in your body whatsoever at all, I encourage you right now to begin to cry out. Because I think the evangelist named Holy Spirit is walking through these aisles right now. And the more you cry out for someone else, the more he, heart, he sees your heart being tender, he'll touch you right now in Jesus' name. In this room right now, diabetes, bow your knee to Jesus. Bow your knee to Jesus. I don't know why. I feel diabetes. Bow your knee to Jesus right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Degenerative disc disease. Right now, in Jesus' name, bow your knee. We speak complete and total healing. There is no virus. There is no disease. There is nothing that can live in this room right now. Because the presence of the Almighty God is here. And I'm going to say this. If you're in this room, and you may have known the things of God, but you don't know God. If today's the day that you say, you know what, I'm going all in, man. I want to give everything to Jesus. I want to ask Him to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, today is the day. We're talking about a new time. We're talking about a new moment. When you walk out the store, you will no longer be the same person. I agree with all of my heart with heaven right now.
in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. If that's you this morning, and you, you don't know for sure that if you took your last breath here, you would take your first breath with him. If that's you this morning, I want you to come up front. I want you to move when the Holy Spirit says move. If everybody in here is born again, that's wonderful. But don't leave here with a doubt. In Jesus' name. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. When the Lord, it says in the book of Psalms that when the word went forward, healing and deliverance from their destruction took place. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you for what you've done in here this morning already. We thank you for encouraging us. We thank you, God, for, 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 for moving us, God, to what moves your heart. That we would weep again. That we would preach again. That we wouldn't just try to fit into a cookie-cutter, society-built church, but we would be the ecclesia. We would be the called-out body that went outside the four walls and lifted Jesus' name up. Thank you.